to be in Jeremiah chapter 6 tonight, so I invite you to open up. We'll uh, continue our ongoing journey through the book of Jeremiah. As we look at where we're at, and as we kind of remember an outline going through the book, we began chapter 1 with the call of Jeremiah. And then from chapter 2 to 25, we're going to be dealing with the charges that God has against Judah. Um, the issues that the Lord is pointing out. Listen to what he says. He said, they have forgotten me. They have forgotten the Lord. He said that they have failed to repent. They won't change their direction. He said they have filled their hearts with wickedness. And they have forsaken the Lord. And tonight, they have fallen for a false peace. So one of the challenging things about Jeremiah is you have God's prophets, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, uh, Daniel, um, all around the same time ministering, prophesying, uh, Habakkuk as well, and uh, they're bringing this faithful word from God to the people, and that faithful word is... Uh, times are going to be hard, you're going into captivity, you're going to be exiled um, for a period of time. And alongside of those prophets were false prophets who were telling everybody what they wanted to hear. And so they were saying, there's no judgment coming, God's not angry, he's going to deliver us from our enemies, we just have to hold fast. And the people were left to decide who was telling the truth and who was telling the lie. And a lot of times when we, when we come to that point, we have to, we, we're facing a choice, a choice that says, is, is the message the message I want to hear or is the message the message that God's bringing? And, um, you know, it's hard to make that choice if you're in the moment. At the time in Judah, Judah was the southern kingdom. Israel had already been conquered roughly 150 years earlier by the Assyrian Empire. And there was a patriotic state uh, moving through, an attitude moving through Judah. Saying, we're going to make it, we're going to stand, we're going we're to overcome all of these things. There was a lot of positive... Um, attitudes of the people right we just need to stay positive we need to stay together um we're going to be delivered god's not against us god's for us you know all the they use all the right words but god says they're all telling a message i didn't tell them to give and god through jeremiah and ezekiel and and, and the other prophets he tells them the things they need to hear we don't always want to hear the things we need to hear, do we? I don't want to hear the things I need to hear. I don't want to... When I read Revelation, right? If you, I'm sure all of you have read Revelation. The first chapter of Revelation is the vision of Christ. Chapters 2 and 3 are seven letters to seven churches where Jesus gives a report card to each church. And I've never been in a church yet going through that study who said, We're Laodicea. Nobody does that. Everybody says, the Laodicea is that church across the street. We're Philadelphia, right? We're the one that God really loves. And all I know about the letters to the churches is every single church got it wrong. 
Every single church, there was something they, they were, for most of them, not all of them, most of them had something they were doing right, something they were doing wrong. But usually, the thing they were doing wrong was a bit of a shock. Like, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have thought that was what was wrong with us. Ephesus, you have left your first love, right? We, we look at the, you know, Smyrna who thought that God hates us because we're all dying. And God said, you're, you're super faithful and be faithful unto death. I'm not going to deliver you. It's kind of the same message John the Baptist got in prison, right? When he said to the messenger to Jesus and said, hey, you are the Messiah, right? You've been paying attention. I'm in jail. Aren't you, isn't there supposed to be like a new world coming and I get out of jail and we all live happily ever after? You remember Jesus said, blessed are those who are not ashamed because of me. I'm not coming for you, John. This is the end of your road. Nobody ever wants to hear that. But I think if we are walking in the spirit and walking with God, we may not want to hear it, but I think we recognize his voice. But if you're not, you just want to hear the message that makes you happy. Tell me the good stuff. And currently in our world, we live in a time where people, uh, Paul writing to Timothy said, the day will come when people won't want to hear the truth about what the word of God says. They'll heap up for themselves teachers who will tell them what they want to hear. Some of the most wealthy people in the entire world are preachers. Why should that be like that? I'm not opposed to God blessing people. Praise the Lord. God bless you and, and you have everything. Praise God. But if you're doing the gig to be the richest man on earth, the richest guy in Nigeria, the two top richest guys in Nigeria are preachers. In the midst of a country where people are hungry all the time. How's that happen? Shouldn't be that way. So, in Judah, it's the same thing. I, is it, do, are we, do we have ears to hear what God is saying? Even if the message that God is saying is, look, you're, you're a mess. Can we hear that? One of the challenges for, for godly people will always be the lists of righteous requirements that, that the Lord gives us in Scripture. We've done some on, on Sunday morning, right? The list for an elder, the list for a deacon, the list for a deacon's wife. The, later on, we're going to talk about the list for a widow. What does all that look like? What is that all supposed to be like? And we look at those lists, and we think that through our own willpower, we can achieve uh, uh, holiness by keeping that list. But what Paul says is that list is there to show you you need a Savior. Because I know, I know, Paul says he's above reproach. But I'm here to tell you Paul's above reproach because he lives a life in repentance to Christ. He's not above reproach because he lives a perfect life and doesn't do anything wrong. Do you have ears to hear what God says? When he lays out the things, look, I, here's, there are certain things I absolutely know. I absolutely know I'm guilty. I won't ever not be guilty. I promise I did something. 
I have, I'm guilty of whatever, any number of atrocities. Ask my wife, she'll tell you. I'm guilty of saying she's like a demon on Sunday. So two weeks ago, I'm still paying for that one. So, yeah. So I'm guilty, but the, the idea of those things, the idea that God's word lays out for us is, will you be able to hear from God, you're broken, you're a sinner, and I love you, and if you repent, I'll forgive you, and I'll clothe you with holiness. I'll cover you with righteousness. If we hear that, then I think you hear the right prophet. And if you can't, you don't. And it's kind of a life and death deal, right? If you hear the wrong prophet, it's bad. At least it is for these guys as we look at what the scripture lays out for us in Jeremiah chapter 6. So here's what Jeremiah is saying. Flee for safety, O people of Benjamin. The, the southern tribe was two tribes. Anybody remember what the two tribes are? Benjamin and Judah. Now, that doesn't mean the other tribes are lost. There's no such thing as the ten lost tribes. The ten northern tribes, every Jew who wanted to be obedient to God and worship in the temple, where'd they go? South, in Judah. And everybody, including Judah, Judahites and Benjamites, if they wanted to worship false idols, and they went to Samaria. So those were the, that was the division. You have representatives of all 12 tribes in both kingdoms. Nothing's lost. You have the righteous and the wicked. And even among the righteous, you have a remnant, right, that is real. And those who aren't. So he's saying, flee, O people of Benjamin, from the midst of Jerusalem. Why is he telling them to flee? Look, blow the trumpet in Tekoa. And raise a signal on Beth Hacherem. For disaster looms out of the north and great destruction. Every time God's people were in judgment, judgment came from the north. So there's a message there that God is giving to the people. If disaster comes from the north, you and me were not okay. Now they should know that because there's idols in the temple. They should know that because they're bowing down and worshiping false gods. They should know that because they're not being faithful to God. But sometimes we don't hear the message that God gives. Disaster is coming from the north. The lovely and delicate bread, I will destroy the daughter of Zion. The lovely and delicate. He's saying, look... There's a symbol of weakness, and he describes it as lovely and delicate. I shared with you guys before, you want to really understand God's heart in the exile and in judgment. Read Ezekiel 16, because in Ezekiel 16, God says, I found you when you were a stillborn child thrown into the field unwanted by your mother. And I cared for you. I took care of you. And he describes this woman as someone who's beautiful, but weak. And that's what he's talking about here. You're lovely and delicate. You're not able to do the things that that you think you are able to do. And you will not be able to stand before the enemy. So the message through the prophet is, so surrender. When my boys were growing up, that was a requirement for discipline, right? I've shared this with you guys before. We paddled. It didn't start that way. 
Uh, we, we grew up in the Dr. Spock era, so we tried all the other stuff that didn't work. Um, uh, if it's working for you, hallelujah. I don't care how you do your kids. Do you do your kids? That's fine. But it didn't work for my rebellious boys. So we had a friend say, if you want rebelliousness to be driven out of the child, use a belt. So we did. We stopped time out and the wagon of my finger and the raising of my voice and screaming and stomping my feet and put all that away. And we said, here's what happens if you are disobedient. But before that is applied, you will put your hands on the couch and assume the position and accept punishment. Now that was the real punishment. And that's what God is telling Judah. If you accept your punishment, there's one whack and you can live. If you reject your punishment, things get harder. How many of us have learned that if I continue to rebel against the training of my parents, my life doesn't get better? That more I fight against authority, things don't just keep getting better. Eventually, I tick the wrong authority off. And then it's not a whooping anymore. Then it's a cell. It's no different. God is saying to the people, look, man, you need to learn. You need to learn. This is what's coming. Judgment has come. The lovely and the delicate I will destroy. The daughter of Zion. Shepherds with their flocks will come against her. They'll pitch their tents around her. The idea is this army that's coming, they don't have to be some mighty army. They just be shepherds. I am against you, God is saying. I'm against you. I'm going to let this all happen. And as I let this all happen, shepherds will pitch their tents around you. They'll pasture wherever they want, each in their own place. Prepare war against her. Arise, let us attack at noon. Typically in the ancient world, people attacked early in the morning. So they could have all day and they could see what they were doing. Right? Only in the movies do they attack at night. When you can't see anybody. They couldn't turn on the floodlights. Oh, I can see. They didn't have flares to shoot up in the air. There were no elves who could shoot uh, fire arrows a mile up in the sky and they would become a bright light for everyone to see. None of that's real. They attacked in daytime. But if they were really anxious, they attack as soon as they got there. If it's noon, we don't care. We're anxious to get this going. So he's saying, look, they're going to attack at noon. Woe to us, for the day declines, the shadows of evening lengthen, arise, let us attack by night, destroy her palaces. So God's saying this judgment is coming. For thus says the Lord of hosts, cut down her trees, cast up a siege mound against Jerusalem. This is the city that must be punished. There is nothing but oppression within her. Listen to the wise. Don't just hear God say, judgment is coming, I'm going to punish you. Listen to the whys. Why is God punishing Jerusalem? There is only oppression in her. Listen to what he says. As a well keeps its water fresh, she keeps her evil fresh. She she is keeping you have the almost exact same kind of language in revelation listen violence and destruction are heard within her 
God is saying, when I, when I go outside, all I hear are the weeps and the cries of the injustice done. He says, when <clears throat> sickness and wounds are ever before me, all I see when I look around is the effects of your wickedness and hatred toward one another. All I hear is this hatred, destruction, and violence. The fact that God has been silent for 150 years, that's a long time. The fact that he told them over that 150 years, hey, if you repent, this will pass. If you'll turn back to me, I'll forgive you. But all God can say is, you don't want to turn. Verse 8, be warned, O Jerusalem, lest I turn from you in disgust, lest I make you a desolation in an uninhabited land. Could you, as a wicked man or woman, walk outside and see someone committing a violent crime against somebody else? Could you walk out there and in your own wickedness, just turn around and pretend you didn't see it? Could you just get in your car, start up, and drive away? Why do we think God should do that? Whatever wickedness you've ever seen is nothing compared to the eyes who can't help but see it all. And he looks and he says... How long can I just stand by? How long can I just choose long-suffering? He says, Jerusalem, in a moment I'm going to turn my back. Nobody ever... People often have the, an inability to understand God's protection in their life. They can see all the ways God's let them down. I, ha I have cancer or... I grew up in an abusive family or, right, it's, all, I'm, I'm a pessimist, so it's easy for me to find the bad in everything. I have to work at being willing to see the good. Is everything really rotten? Are there not signs in our life where we see the fingerprints of the goodness of God? To see... God's blessing over our life. God's judgment is coming because Jerusalem is focused on keeping her evil fresh. And God can't keep watching. And if we would say we couldn't, why would we think God should? He shouldn't either. So the warning, repent. Turn, change. But then there's this peace that, that doesn't exist. So Jeremiah brings some words. Thus says the Lord of hosts in verse 9, They shall glean thoroughly as a vine the remnant of Israel, like the grape gatherer. Pass your hand again over its branches. All the grapes of wrath are going to get picked. He's going to pick the remnant. It's all, everyone's going, nobody is going to live in Jerusalem when this is over. 
the remnant is going to grow up in Babylon. They're going to return to the land 70 years from now. They're going to grow up strangers in a strange land. How is that going to happen? God's saying, look, the whole heart is going to be broken, not just part. You can't, the Bible talks about this stone that represents Christ, right? Not cut out with hands. And that either it falls on you and you are crushed or you fall on it and you are broken. And sometimes we, we look at God's report, God's requirement. And God's requirement for us when we follow him is that we're going to get broken. And the reality is we don't like it. Nobody goes, oh, I can't wait for God to break me. And then we ask ourselves, why is he breaking us? I don't understand. Why is a God who loved me want to break me? Because we are an unpliable pot in the hands of the potter. And he has found something that marred the pot. Remember what? We're going to read about it in Jeremiah. He's going to find something that mars the pot. There's a problem in the clay. There's something there that stops him from being able to make that clay pot into what he wants to make. So he takes it and he crushes it and he kneads it and he works it until he gets the mar out. We all are marred. Me too. I've I've felt the hands of the potter ripping my guts out haven't you and so the the right position of someone who recognizes i have mars within myself and because god loves me he'll he will take them out will trust the potter do what you gotta do if we knew the end of the story, we'd, it'd be easier for us in the beginning. But we don't know the end. And then we hear the lies of fear, right? And fear says, well, this is the end. This is where it all comes apart. And God says, no, I'm just getting started. I'm just getting started. Stay on the wheel. Let the pot... Let the potter do what he needs to do. If God's got to pick every grape off the vine, and they all have to be cast into judgment, he's not saying, I'm going to destroy you. Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of good, not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. You all know it. It's on your fridges. God says, I, this, is, this is the work I'm doing. When Habakkuk says, God, what in the world is going on? There's wickedness everywhere I look. And God says to Habakkuk, if I told you what I was doing, you wouldn't believe it. What do you think God was talking about? The rest of the chapter is, I'm going to bring an army from the north and I'm going to judge you by her. And Habakkuk's glorious response was, though I lose everything, I'll trust you. That's where God wants his people to trust him. Even when the pieces don't all make sense. So to whom shall I speak and give warning that they may hear? This is Jeremiah's voice. 
To whom shall I speak and give warning that they may hear? Behold, their ears are uncircumcised. You get the idea? Their ears are plugged. They're wearing earmuffs. They're not listening to me. God, I talk and I talk and I talk and I talk and they don't listen to me. You ever look at your circumstances and get frustrated because they don't change? Well, now you know how Jeremiah felt. Nobody's listening, God. I'm tired of telling them. I'm tired of trying to say anything. They cannot listen. The word of God is to them an object of scorn. They hate your word. They take no pleasure in it. They don't want to listen. They won't look at the, at the report card. They won't look at it and see themselves in it. They can read the report card in Revelation and see other churches there. You look in your Bible, there will be headings. Dead Protestantism. Well, what do you mean dead Protestantism? Well, that's who that church is. That church is the dead Protestant church. Are you sure? Is the Bible a searchlight or a mirror? James says, when I look into the mirror of your word... I, I don't want to be like the man who looks into the mirror and sees the dirt on his face and then walks away and forgets what kind of man he was. The report card's there to challenge us. It wasn't just there for, for the churches listed. It wasn't just for them. These things have been passed to us. Will we see ourselves? Do we have ears to hear? Isn't that how Jesus ends every one of those letters? Let him who has, how's it go? Ears to hear, hear what the Spirit is saying to who? The churches, plural. He's talking to us all. Jeremiah says they aren't listening. They're plugging their ears. La, 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 I can't hear you. Right? And they hate God's word. When you're mad at God, do you want to read the word? When you're mad at God, the first thing you want to do is turn on some worship music or some ACDC. Right? Turn on some ACDC and sing about where I wish I was going. You know, we, we never in the wrath of man will never accomplish the righteousness of God. I never make a good decision when I do that. I make a good decision when I bow the knee and I say to God, okay, you're the potter, I'm the clay, do your thing. When I rise up against it, it's just going to get go from bad to worse. That's what it does. That's what it does when I am disobedient. So there, there is coming as, a, as a, a response to the inability to hear, there is coming indignation. Listen to what God says. Therefore, I am full of... Of the wrath of the Lord. Sorry, it's still Jeremiah. I'm full of the wrath of the Lord. I am weary of holding it in. Pour it out on the children in the street and on the gatherings of the young men. Also, both husband and wife will be taken, the elderly and the aged. Their houses will be turned over to others, their fields, their wives together. For I will stretch out my hand against the inhabitants of the land, declares the Lord. So Jeremiah says, I'm filled with the indignation of the Lord. He was filled at wrath at watching the rejection of the people to the word. And then he says, judgment's going to take it all away. 
And it never had to be that way. I remember looking at my children and saying, you can just have one swat. Just put your hands on the couch. This is over now. Bang. Done. Or we can keep fighting. And this is going to go on and on and on. Because I am uh, required by God to drive rebellion from you. Or I'm not being the father I'm supposed to be. Well, if God requires that of earthly fathers, you don't think he does the same thing? The proverb says it's a fool who receives stripes and doesn't learn. Won't receive correction. That's a fool. What did a fool say in Proverbs? You remember? A fool said in his heart, what? There is no God. Oh, you're not there, God. This isn't you. This is not your hand. This is not your... It is God. Let him do what he needs to do. Accept it. Accept his breaking. Fall upon him and be broken. It's way better than having the rock fall on you and be crushed. One you live through. One you don't. Fall on him. Be broken. This wickedness in verse 13. For from the least to the greatest of them, everyone is greedy for unjust gain. And from prophet to priest, everyone lies. You see where he says it? Everyone deals falsely. Everyone lies. Everyone's greedy. From prophet to priest. Do you really think that he's talking about everybody else? You don't ever get greedy. You don't ever want more. You don't ever see something shiny go by and long for that shiny thing. Or wish you could win the lottery just so you could get one more gun for the gun safe. Rusty, I see you nodding, brother. <laughs> Look, the, the Bible says we everyone is greedy for unjust gain. So... So just in case we have to cover this, what do you think he means by everyone? Yeah, you think that means most? Everyone is greedy, and from prophet to priest, that means he's covering the religious spectrum, right? From prophet to priest, everyone deals falsely. Everyone lies. Usually when we are faced with the opportunity to tell a hard truth or an easy lie, what will we do? Easy lie springs to my lips. I have to beat it back with a stick. And I don't always do it. I can't even tell you how many times, million times, somebody calls me and I'm sleeping. Sometimes, okay, uh, confession time, I'm okay sleeping till noon. I'm sorry if you don't like that. I like sleep. I told my wife, if I ever go into a coma, leave me be. Don't unplug me. Don't go crazy. I'll get up. I'm just enjoying some sleep. I like to sleep. But sometimes I'll get a phone call and I start feeling bad. Oh, the lazy guy slept too long. And the person on the other end, you can't possibly say, you can't possibly agree with them if it's 11 o'clock. And they say, did I wake you up? No, come on. What kind of guy would still be sleeping at 11 o'clock? 
Sometimes I'm sleeping till 11 o'clock. Why does a lie spring so fast? I can't even pull it back before it jumps out of my mouth. Now maybe that's not your thing, but you have one. You have one. The Bible says everyone deals falsely. Verse 14. They have healed the wound of my people lightly. So God is bringing this word and they, these prophets, have healed the wound of my people lightly. Saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. Oh, don't worry about it. You know your friends will tell you what you don't always need to hear? I've told the story before, but I, I preached one time in California. We were a pretty big church and I preached a Wednesday message and um, a guy came up and basically told me that that's the worst message he ever heard in his life. And I should preach like I prayed. He said, your prayer was good. Your message was terrible. That was the 4.30 service. There was a 7 o'clock service like, you know, 30 minutes from then. And one of my friends overheard it. And they're like, oh, you know, don't listen to that. I'm like, what do you mean don't listen? How do you know that's not God's voice? How do you know that's not God speaking through some guy? Are you so convinced by your own rightness that you cannot hear from a Caiaphas? You know, in the Bible, Caiaphas prophesied. Being high priest, he prophesied and said, It is expedient that one man die for the sins of the people. You think he meant that that way? Probably not. Probably not. But was it the voice of God coming out of Caiaphas' head? How about a donkey? And a donkey tell Balaam the prophet, You really should turn around, brother. Can you hear? We're so sure sometimes that whatever's going on is not from God. Are you sure? Are you sure that's not God's report card? And somewhere in heaven, God is saying, they're telling you peace, peace, when there is no peace. They're telling you not to worry about it when you should worry about it. So I preached again. And I tried to hear what he said. Now he didn't come back up and say that was better. So who knows? I might have just kept getting worse all the way to Beulah, Idaho. I don't know. But the end of the story I learned is a preacher is called to be faithful to what God's given them. And sometimes the people will love you for it and sometimes they'll hate you for it. The accolades are not necessary. Are you being faithful to the word? That's all a preacher is supposed to be. Will he tell you the truth? When you need to hear the truth. That's the goal. So he's saying listen. There is no peace. Verse 15. Were they ashamed when they committed abomination? Are we ashamed at our failure and our sin? Or do we just try to sweep it under the carpet? Because God says no they were not at all ashamed. They did not know how to blush. The idea is, like, do you know you're wrong? Do you know you're doing wrong? Do you know you're guilty before God? That we are all sinners in the hands of an angry God who will judge sin. But you're also sinners in the hands of an angry God who is merciful and good. 
And if you fall down before him, he will raise you up. He will forgive you. He will restore you. Therefore they shall fall among those who fall at the time that I punish them. They will be overthrown, says the Lord. Thus says the Lord in verse 16, Stand on the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it and find rest for your souls. But they said, we won't walk in it. The whole book of Proverbs is all about being able to recognize street signs, right? To not get lost on the path. And Jeremiah saying, you guys got lost. You're, you're off track. You're <clears throat> off the beaten path. And you need to ask somebody, where's the Lord's path? Where's God's way? You know that narrow path Jesus talked about? Because wide is the gate that leads to destruction. And many find that. But narrow is the path that leads to everlasting life find his path but the people say i'm not even looking i don't want to walk your path i set watchmen over you saying pay attention to the sound of the trumpet but they said we will not pay attention the watchman was a guy who blows the trumpet we're in danger we're in danger warning warning but they're they're ignoring the warning you guys ever have those smoke detectors go off in your house <laughs> we have smoke detectors go off a lot at our house <laughs> no more hot seat. Oh, 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 okay, I'll leave it. She's, my 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 wife is amazing, and I love her. She's incredible. But when she puts bread in the oven, she start every. Uh, am I lying? Every time. She puts bread in the oven to toast the bread and walks away and we start talking. And the next thing I hear is woo, 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 woo. fire engines are pulling up, smoke's billowing out of the... Can you imagine being in your home and having like real fire going on and ignoring it? It's not happening. That's what's going on when God says you're ignoring the watchman. They're sounding the alarm. Smoke is everywhere. Why are you ignoring it? Just walking through the house like everything's okay. He says, pay attention to the sound of the trumpet. But they won't pay attention. Why? What's the reason? Therefore, hear, O nations, and know, O congregation, what will happen. Hear, O earth. Behold, I am bringing disaster upon this people, the fruit of who? Their devices. Because they have not paid attention to my words. And as for my law, they have rejected it. They won't hear me. They won't listen. So I'm going to let it come. What use to me then is frankincense that comes from Sheba or sweet cane from a distant land. Your burnt offerings are not acceptable. Your sacrifices, nor are your sacrifices pleasing to me. The Bible taught us, the Old Testament taught us that there is no sacrifice for willful sin. There was no, they couldn't go give a lamb or a turtle dove, 
you know, I knew I shouldn't have done this, but I did it anyway, so I'm going to go give an offering. God said, there's no sacrifice for that. The Lord said, the sacrifice for that is a broken heart and a contrite spirit. These, David said, the Lord will not despise. Remember how Jesus told the story? The tax collector beat his breast and said, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. And the Pharisee prayed, I thank God I'm not like that guy. Jesus said, that's the wrong prayer. You should pray you could be like that guy. Because that one's justified. That one's forgiven. God's saying, don't bring me your sacrifices. I don't want your sacrifices. They're not pleasing. Verse 21, therefore, thus says the Lord, I will lay before this people stumbling blocks against which they will stumble, fathers and sons together. Neighbor and friend will perish. Thus says the Lord, Behold, the people is coming from the north. A great nation is stirring from the farthest parts of the earth. They will lay hold on bow and javelin. They are cruel and have no mercy. The sound of them is like the roaring sea. They ride on horses, set in array as a man for battle and against you. O daughter of Zion. Now this is their response. We have heard the report of it. Our hands fall helpless. Anguish has taken hold of us. Pain as of a woman in labor. Go not out into the field nor walk on the road. For for the enemy has a sword. Terror is on every side. And here is the Lord's plea to them. O daughter of my people. Put on sackcloth, roll in ashes, make mourning like for an only son, the most bitter lamentation. For suddenly the destroyer will come upon us, for I have made you a tester of metals among my people, that you may know and test their ways. This is to Jeremiah. They are all stubbornly rebellious, going about with slanders. They are bronze and iron. All of them act corruptly. The bellows blow fiercely. The lead is consumed by the fire. And in vain the refining goes on. For the wicked are not removed. Rejected silver they are called, for the Lord has rejected them. So God says to the people, what does he want from them? Put on sackcloth. Rolling ashes, repent. Jeremiah, he says, you're the tester of their hearts. Are they going to repent? What's Jeremiah say? Nope. They're not going to repent. In Revelation, what's it say? Over and over and over again. Judgment came, judgment came, judgment came. And what does the Lord say? And still the people would not repent. God is calling for his people to be people who will repent. We look at our nation and we say, we want to see our nation turn. Well, stop waiting for President Trump to repent. You repent. I repent. That's what averts God's judgment. When judgment begins in the house of God when we bow the knee before the Lord and say have mercy on me a sinner and we allow God to refine us 
Not a stubborn person not willing to be clay in the master's hands or silver refined by the fire, right? We want to be men and women who can accept God's report card and then repent and find the ancient paths and walk on them and watch God bring life. Trust him. He's worthy of it. I'm not saying your path will be easy. You'll never stomp your toe and life will be a bowl of cherries. But I am saying it's the only life worth living. Amen? Please stand with me. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father God, we thank you for this time, for the opportunity to study your word, to open your word, to search scripture. God, I pray that you would anoint our hearts God, help us to look to you. May we recognize that Scripture is given for me. That this message was for me. That I need to hear it. That I need to bow before it. That I need to allow it to do its work in me. If enough of us do that. The Lord said, if I could find one righteous person in all of Jerusalem, I would stop judgment. Well, the righteous person is not righteous because he's perfect. He's not righteous because he always makes the right choices. He's righteous because he's covered by the blood of the Lamb. He's righteous because he trusts in his God for forgiveness. He's righteous because he believes what God says and it's accounted to him for righteousness. So God, have your way in us. May we be men and women quick to repent and may we see you move in our time because when you looked, you saw us, men and women on our knees, willing to say, have mercy on me, God, a sinner. And we will grant you all the praise to your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.